Hello everyone, welcome back to the Lubcast. A uh, very fun episode coming up. We got Philly and TH coming on, we're going to talk some Celtics, and then we have Butsy coming on, and we're going to talk about some NBA draft, and then Butsy's going to stay on with Jordan and I, and we're going to be talking about our three favorite, or three most exciting teams for the upcoming NFL season. So stay tuned to that coming up, and uh, yeah. All right, we're here uh, after game five of the Celts vs. Heat series the Celtics got the win I think it was 93 to 80 and we are joined now by Tori and Cam Fillion guys uh Philly I'll start with you um what did you think of the game what were your uh biggest takeaways I mean the biggest takeaways for me was just like the the beginning of the game the shooting was off for both teams and I think again that has to just do with um these teams both are just defensive monsters We've seen it. There's some low-scoring quarters, some low-scoring games so far. And I think the big thing was just the Celtics just started hitting their shots. You saw it, like, near the end of the third quarter. I think they kind of took, like, a nine-point lead, which in this game felt like a 20-point lead because there's no team could score. And then from there, they just finally started hitting their shots, and Miami kept missing. And then the game was kind of over at that point. So, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with Cam. Uh, I was going to mention uh, Derek White performing really well. Um he shot, what, six for eight from the field. He didn't really shoot well from three, but overall I feel like in Marcus Smart's, you know, his little three-game bump in the road of his ankle uh, recently, I feel like, in my opinion, Derek White's kind of been like our unsung, not necessarily unsung hero, but the hero of the Celtics these past couple games of stepping up and being that guy that is the energy on the floor, you know, kind of bringing everybody up. I wouldn't necessarily say it's all kind of contributed to Derek White, but, you know, I think he's doing a really good job right now. Um like you said, Cam, shots weren't falling for both teams, but especially Miami. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Kyle Lowry, I can't. Even, I don't know how you shoot O for six in a playoff game. Uh, in my opinion, I don't really understand. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. But um, yeah, no. That the biggest takeaway for me personally was, um, like Cam said, the shooting. How how just the shooting. How atrocious that was, both sides of the floor. But yeah. Yep. <clears throat> My biggest takeaway was that I think this Heat team is uh, done, and I think that was uh, the game four, even though it wasn't, if you know what I'm saying, or like the fourth win, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the Celtics really showed that even when they are playing really bad offensively, they can still outplay the Heat in this series and get the win. Um, the Heat just lacks scoring. We've been talking about that the last couple of episodes. There's just real no way for them to score uh especially with hero being injured that's just huge for them um bam hasn't been able to score as consistently as thought as we thought and same with jimmy and lowry he must be injured and he's also really really overweight he looks yeah he looks huge <laughs> out there like don't be he and, and it's, it's affecting his game he's not looking as not that he was ever like super quick but he definitely looks like not he's as, lost that explosiveness for sure exactly and it, I think it's causing him to have a lot of injuries. I, every time he goes down, he gets up and he's hobbled. And I think it's something mm -hmm. to do with the added weight on his frame. But, mm -hmm. yeah, they needed guys like him to score because Hero was out and it didn't happen. Uh, Victor Oladipo, I love him and want to see him have a comeback. He He's not as efficient as a scorer as you would like. Um, and he just isn't scoring the ball as, as well. And, you know, Duncan Robinson had an okay game last game, but... Like he's not having, you're going to need him to have like 30 or more to be an impact to make up for all this mm -hmm. lack of offense that they have. It's just, I think the Celtics are a better team. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, we can give credit to the Celtics defense 
But at the end of the day, the Heat are just missing shots. And whether it's a combination of injuries and, and bad play, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. But we saw – we mentioned a little bit Lowry. Max Struess and Kyle Lowry I saw in the last two games are a combined one of 28. And that's your, that's your starting backcourt. So, honestly, um, I'm not, you know, going to get too high on the Celtics winning these last couple games because – I think the Heat are just cooked. They they're kind of falling apart, and I think it would it would frankly be kind of embarrassing if we had lost either of these last few games just because of how poorly um, the Heat have shot. But I do want to talk about um, what Tori talked about a little bit with how Derek White played great. I think to go along with Derek White, Al Horford continuing to play really well, Rob playing really well. So all um, for the most part, our role players are are doing their jobs thing that's concerning me a little bit is uh, just the inconsistency we're seeing from Tatum and Jalen. So that's what I want to ask you guys um, going forward uh, for, you know, however long this series goes and hopefully in the next series, uh, what are you guys looking for from our stars? You can't have, you know, Tatum shooting bad like he does. I will say one bright spot was he started out last night shooting very poorly again. I don't know what his field goals were at half. But usually when he's, like, not shooting well and he's not having a good game, he kind of loses it on, like, all the other aspects of the game. But, I mean, last night we saw him grab 12 rebounds, dish out nine assists. So it was good to see that when he wasn't shooting especially well, he was finally able to kind of impact the game in other ways. And if he's still able to do that, then we can take a – he shot seven for 20. We can take a game like that if he's also going to have a damn near triple-double. So Yeah, very true. I agree with you, Cam. And, I mean, also – or with with Jalen Brown, um, I know that we talked about inefficiency. I don't know. I kind of wanted to give him his credit in terms of I, I would say he's he's definitely improved. Um, he's past, you know. I spe- I would especially say this series. Um, a lot of the stuff I see watching the game, he's a very explosive player, obviously. But I think this off season, if I were I don't know, if I were a Celtics trainer, I'd tell him to work on his ball handling. I feel like a lot of the time he's kind of just he's kind of just giving it to Victor. Like there was what I think the game we lost uh, when they had what like was it 17 or 18 steals or something like that? Um, there was a couple of plays where I just didn't understand where I just didn't understand how I didn't really understand. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an NBA basketball player, but you know, with the way things I, I see it as a fan, you know, it's, it's definitely odd for me, but you know, like I said, Jalen Brown has definitely done way better. Um, and I think that, you know, how, what, what Cam was talking about with uh, Jason Tatum, I think before he kind of put himself in a little bit of a box in terms of, you know, being that guy or trying to be that guy to score, and especially when he was off, you know, you could tell he it was really getting into his head and stuff. And we'd lose a couple, or I think we, the game we lost, he scored 10 points, something like that, 10, 15, maybe. Um, yeah. But I think now he's kind of realizing that, like you guys said, he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, like Cam said, 12 rebounds, nine assists. Like if he can keep, if he's not shooting that well, you know, that's, that's, it's tough, but he has those other shooters around him. He's realizing that now he has those other players. Like, of course, I, I, he definitely knew it before, but, you know, it's definitely, I feel like it's definitely starting to come to fruition where he's finally starting to trust everyone, you know, seeing it as a fan, but that's just my take. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I'm happy that you mentioned that because um, Tatum had such an interesting game because in the beginning he was not shooting well. Uh, he was playing pretty poorly, but offensively he kept it together with his passing and his assists like he had a ton of great passes he had a great float pass to um Derek White in the corner like he was passing the ball very very well 
And that's just an aspect of his game that uh, is definitely much improved that I didn't realize he had improved. And um, I was thinking about it, like, everyone talks about how good of a defender Tucker is and how he was like a KD stopper from Milwaukee last year. I, I think I understand it now, and I think it's not what we for – not, not for the reasons we think. I think it's more of Tucker is so touchy and aggressive that it makes these superstars lean into it and kind of stoop to his level and flop to get fouls. Like Tatum was missing most of his shots, mostly in part of or in part because he was trying to draw this foul and like moving his body and making it a lot harder to score because he was trying to get a call on Tucker. And I just that's just something that I wish that he would uh work on is that if he just took the ball to the rack strong every single time like he missed a layup and it was his hand was right at the rim and all he had to do was go up strong with it but he flicked his wrist at the end to try and like flop off to make a call or to get a call and that's why he missed the shot like I don't understand why he does it or I know why he does it. it's because he wants to get these calls but that was just an aspect of the game that I think PJ Tucker brings that um is underappreciated yeah I agree I really hope as a Celtics fan, that we don't see that type of stuff going forward. And hopefully Tatum can, you know, realize that he just needs to be himself and he doesn't need to flop for the refs or try to get calls. But yeah, I do want to yeah. go back a little bit uh, to the Jalen point. Um, obviously, he had a terrible first half, bunch of turnovers. Uh, Tori talked about the ball handling a little bit. And I think going along with the ball handling is just some of his decision making, just dribbling into traffic when he doesn't need to. And we saw in the second half that when he didn't do that and he just let the game come to him, he's an amazing player and he can shoot the hell out of the ball. He can get to the rim. He can do all those things without forcing it. So I just hope going forward uh, Tatum and Jalen both are just a little bit smarter and just let the game come to them a little more. Yeah. And to uh, touch off Max's point about Tatum, you know, going to the whole, you know, a little bit tougher and not trying to like a little flop, I guess. Same thing goes for Brown. And I just want to say, like, last night when Jalen Brown took it to the whole hard and he had that dunk where Bam Adebayo oh. got out of the way, was when nasty. that happened, when that happened, I was like, all right, series is over. Like, I don't care what happens from here on out. Like, you can tell they just didn't. Like, met the Heat kind of gave up a little bit. The Celtics gave momentum. And I think that's going to shift even into next game. So very good point. Very, very good point. That's a, yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, Yeah, it was just one of those games, like we said, like most of the games this freaking series, it's hard to get – like too many takeaways because it was such an extreme game. Like there's extreme bat lows. There's been so many extreme highs and lows throughout the series that it's hard to draw from extremes. You want to draw from like the averages, you know? So uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it on this segment. Um, thank you boys for coming on. Uh, we have a big announcement coming up with them soon that we're going to be getting into at a later date, but uh, yeah. Alrighty. We're back. Uh, we still have Philly with us, but TH had a run. Um, we're going to get into three, like we're going to pick three sleepers for the first round of the NBA draft. These are going to be three players that we think um, aren't getting a lot of buzz coming out of the draft, or maybe like not a lot of people know of them or have heard of them, but we think that they could actually be productive players in the NBA. So starting off, uh, Jordan, why don't you give us your first sleeper pick? Yeah, my first one, I really like this guy. Um, Wendell Moore from Duke. He, he played on a loaded team. With Paulo, Mark Williams, AJ Griffin, three guys that are potential lottery picks. So, but Wendell Moore was uh, 41% from three. I think he's a very underrated passer, uh, decent playmaker. And then he's really, really good on defense, um, pretty good athletic ability. Um, I could definitely see him being a solid role player in the league. And honestly, I think if he, you know, if his career pans out the way I think, I think he can 
be a starter on a good team. So I like Wendell Moore. I think he's going right now in the second round, uh, early to mid second. Uh, I definitely think he's worth a pick there. Uh, well, yeah, going off of Wendell Moore, it's just like he's he's the leader of that team. That team was full of, like Jordan mentioned, a bunch of freshmen that are top prospects, but he was really the one that was the leader of that team. So I think that's a great pick by Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, my first guy is Benedict, Benedict Matherin. He is a guy that's projected mm-hmm. around top 10, so he is getting a, a decent amount of buzz. Yeah. But I still think he's super underrated. I mean, he's 19 years old, six foot six, so he's got a good frame to him, and he averages just under 18 points a game on the season. Um, he's a very capable three-point shooter, and I think he can score on all three levels. I remember watching in the NCAA tournament, he had like this poster dunk that I did not expect from him. But I mean, the fact that he can shoot the three, obviously he can drive. He's a great scorer. I think he can be very, very uh, good for any team that drafts him at the next level. Yeah, so uh, funny you mentioned a Canadian because my uh, first pick is a Canadian. Um, my first pick is Leonard Miller. Um, he's he's a big recruit out of Canada. He's going to be the youngest person in the draft board. He's out of an international academy in Canada. He's not in college. Um, there is a little bit of, he's not 100% going to be in the draft. It's, it's, there, it's more of 95%. There is a possibility that if he doesn't think he's going to be drafted in the second round, in the first round, that he may go back to, um, or not go back to, but go to college to get NIL money. So there, there could be a small chance that he's not in this draft, but he's in the next draft or the draft after, but they're saying it's more than likely that he's going to be in this draft. Um, he was six foot. So what I love about him is he's like a six eleven, um, ball handling big. Uh, he doesn't have a great shot, but he can score well at the rim. Um, he has great dribbling moves. And a part of that, this is an aspect of, of, uh, big men that I really like is when a big man it was real small and then grew. So Benedict was six foot four until sophomore year of high school, and then he shot up to six eleven. So as we all played basketball, so um, as you guys know, like when you're you train pretty hard all the way up to sophomore year. So if you're six foot four until your sophomore year, it's going to be pretty ingrained in your nature to have good ball handling skills and be more of a guard brain. Um, then it will be like once you're a little bit old. I mean, obviously they're going to transition him into being a big, but he still has some of that guard mentality that carries over. And you can really see that in his game. Um, he also has taco fall sized hands that are 10 and a half inches wide. And he has the same standing reach as Anthony Davis. So it's a big gamble to, to take him because he's really raw, but he has shown an ability to pass and dribble and defend pretty well. He just had his shot is questionable and his mechanics look questionable. So if a good team gets him in, in the right system and gets him working on his jump shot, I feel like he could be a diamond in the rough. Yeah. It's a super interesting pick. Any, anyone you can, you know, take that's has that upside and you think you can mold them into a good player. That's, that's always um, worth a shot, especially late in drafts. And especially Canada has been putting out a ton of talent. His coach was the coach of Lou Dort, who is a defensive, really, really good defensive player. Big name. Um, they have a lot of Canadian prospects coming out that are very tough and good players. So just a guy to keep an eye out. Jordan, who's your second sleeper? Yeah, my next one is Christian Brown from Kansas. And I really got to watch him in the tournament. I didn't watch a lot of Kansas during the season, but He's uh he's six seven and he's not like this unbelievable like Jaden Ivy type athlete so I don't want to make it sound like that but he is very athletic he he can run and jump and move very well especially for a guy at six seven uh, and going along with that he shot thirty nine percent from three and fifty percent from the floor so he's he's a super efficient shooter 
And he averaged 14 points on a Kansas team that ended up winning the championship and was a pretty loaded team. So I think he reminds me a little bit of Pat Connaughton uh, in his style and the way he plays. And he's, he's also two inches taller than, than Pat. So I could see him fitting in on any team, anyone who can shoot and has, you know, good size and athleticism can find a spot in the NBA. So I, I like his future. Yeah, that's a good pick. That was a great team. And I watched him in the uh, tournament as well. He really stuck out to me. Just he's a great overall player. Um, I like the pick. Cam, who's your uh, second sleeper? Yeah, my second guy, uh, also repping Duke like Jordan did with that first pick that he had. I got Mark Williams. And with Mark Williams, what makes us Celtics fans fall in love with Robert Williams is his shot blocking ability and like the hustle that he gives forth day in and day out on the court. Mark Williams is Robert Williams with three more inches. He's listed at seven foot. Some haven't even listed at seven foot one. Super lengthy guy. I mean, he had some games where I would watch for Duke where he had eight block shots, seven, six block shots, which is just insane. And he averaged 2.8 a game, which is really good. He's a sophomore, so he's still relatively a young, a young guy. And like I mentioned with the effort, I mean, you can't teach the effort. I think he can polish up a little bit more offensively. There's a little bit of times in the tournament where I did see him kind of hit like maybe a 10, 15-foot turnaround jumper, which was nice to see. If he can develop that and make that a consistent part of his game, I think what he brings on the defensive end is will help any team. And, you know, if he polishes up a little more, I think he would be a, a really amazing pick for a team. Like you said, that was a loot, uh, loaded Duke uh, team. So there was a lot of prospects on that team that were really good. Uh, Jordan, you had something? Yeah, I, I just I really, really like Mark Williams. Um, I don't know. The only reason I might not have had him on my list is because I don't know if he's a sleeper. I think uh, a lot of people like him for, you know, the obvious reasons that Philly pointed out he's uh he's seven feet tall he's unbelievable on defense and then offensively like you mentioned Robert Williams Rob Will doesn't have much of a, a offensive game but he's just that lob threat and an offensive rebounder which at minimum I could see Mark Williams being so I think he's gonna fit anywhere he goes and yeah I, I absolutely love Mark Williams in the NBA me too I I like him um <clears throat> but I know Butsy was talking about taking him with the Hornets and I really like that idea of him being on the Hornets that's yeah. a really fun front uh, yeah. that's just a really fun team but yeah that's a good pick Duke is a powerhouse as we know they they're they create a lot of great players um my second pick is Jeremy Sohan um I had to sorry Sohan um I had to he's Polish uh he's from the motherland we have to give him a nod but he's also just a great basketball player uh he comes in at six foot nine he's above average athlete uh, 230 pounds. He, he lacks mostly in his shooting department. Um, he has a little bit of a slow release and he doesn't shoot great, but he's like a decent shooter, but he's awesome in every other aspects of the game. He's got, um, sort of like a Marcus smart personality, just a little bit like a, a little, like no Marcus smart is very unique, but he's got a little bit of a toned down. Um, he comes out of Baylor. He's arguably the best, uh, wing defender in the draft, which is huge. We love those two way players. Um, he, he needs to get better at creating a shot. Uh, that's an area that he kind of lacks in and, um, it, his outside shooting is like pretty inconsistent. I was watching tape on him. He played at Baylor and you just couldn't really, uh, expect for him to hit the shot very often from the outside. So that, that's just some aspects of his game. Like we said before with Leonard Miller, if, um, they can work on shooting. Uh, that's a huge thing. Leonard Miller, I'm a little bit more nervous on. 
with shooting because like we've talked about before, uh, it's hard to shoot with massive hands. And if he has taco fall size hands, taco has a really difficult time shooting. Um, also that has to do with his height, but that's one guy that like Leonard Miller might be a little bit more iffy on the shooting, but I have, a, I have faith that Jeremy Sohan can be uh, a good shooter. Hopefully. Yeah. I like him a lot too. Um, my last guy is from Ohio state. It's Malachi Malachi Branham. Uh, I, I watched him a lot in the tournament too, uh, in the games that they played. He just has tons of potential on offense uh, and absolutely like crazy high ceiling offensively. He's a great three-point shooter, pretty solid ball handler, and can basically just score the ball any way you want it at the rim, mid-range, threes, uh, just can do it all offensively. The The reason I saw him projected at the 16 to 20 range, I think he has kind of questionable decision-making, uh, needs to work on shot selection a little bit, but you can say that about a lot of young players and I could see Malachi Branham being a really good, just pure scorer in the NBA. So that's why I like him. Good pick. Yeah. For, so for my third guy, uh, this guy might not even, I was checking, he's sometimes not even on some draft boards and that's Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga. Uh, he was the floor general and point guard of that team, but he has great size. I mean, he's six foot five. The thing for him is, and why I think a lot of people would avoid him is he is a senior and he's 22 years old, which a lot of NBA scouts don't like that, but I mean, his leadership and what he showed on the floor, like we mentioned the same thing with Duke. They had a lot of young, good prospects and he was kind of the glue that uh, keeps them all together. He averaged, you know, around six assists a game. So he's great at passing the ball and he's a very capable shooter as well, shooting it at just under 40% from three. And he also a great defender, 1.6 steals a game. So I think if he can bring all three of that to the next level, I think he could be a great like backup point guard for a team or like I mentioned with the floor general part of his game, just a guy that can like be the glue of the team and just be a great leader, a great guy off the bench. So I think a lot of teams aren't really looking at him in the draft, but I think if you draft him, he'd be a great player. That's a good pick. Um, my pick, my final pick is Walker Kessler out of Auburn. Um, I had, I actually saw him in person when him and Jabari Smith and the rest of Auburn came in to uh, Thompson bowling and played and, he was massive. He's a legit seven footer. He's seven foot. He comes in seven foot and a quarter uh, barefoot. So, and then seven foot one with shoes on. Um, he's very long. And what I like most about him is his defensive ability. His um, he's such a good shot blocker. He has good timing on his jumps. He's really good at uh, not jumping. He, he kind of reminds me of Robert Williams with the blocking. He's not nearly as athletic with, the block with um his jumping ability but he gets his timing is really really good and his length is similar to that of rob's that he does like the very quick diving blocks um and he really cleans up around the paint i love his rebounding um he's gonna need to get better at shooting but he's pretty good at the post moves they auburn had two guards that were not great that kind of ruined their team they would not get jabari smith the ball and they kind of played uh a lot like a lot of offense for themselves and I would like to see how he does in a pick and roll uh, offense or in an offense that allows for him to get good post touches. Um, one thing that's going to be an issue with him is his lack of speed. He's he's like he's not like super slow, but he's definitely not the fastest player on the court. And we've seen um, players be able to live with that anyways. Um, Alfred Shengun, for instance, is very slow, but he's and it's only his first year, but I still he played it well this season. So. Um, yeah, I, I like Walker Kessler. I think he's going to be a really good defensive player. I could see him being a light, a career 
backup center or a, a career or a starter for a good chunk of his career as well. Yeah, I think Walker Kessler has a lot of potential. Um, obviously, you mentioned the defense, but he's got really solid touch around the rim. I could see him, yeah. you know, developing his game and uh, maybe getting a little bit more of a mid-range game and becoming a solid offensive and all-around player. So, yeah, I, I like him a lot, too. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good segment. Um, I, yeah, we actually, it just shows how deep the draft class is. Um, I know in the last pod, I kind of, I, I guess I was arguing that it wasn't super deep, but I, I think doing this research, I've really come to see that there is a lot, like we picked nine different players that could be standouts. And in my, we didn't even talk about like uh, Johnny Davis, right. And other players like that, like they, there's just a lot of good players out there. So um, yeah, this was a good segment. Philly, thank you for coming on. And we're back. We're here with Butsy. Um, we're going to talk about some exciting NFL teams. Uh, Jordan, who, who's your first exciting NFL team for this? Yeah, um, I'll go first. I am very excited to see what the Los Angeles Chargers do this season. So they had a, a very good offseason. They signed uh, J.C. Jackson, stolen from the Pats. Um, we just basically let him go because we didn't want to pay him. Uh, and now he's on the Chargers. So uh, that's huge for their secondary. They also got a few new defensive tackles, so they're going to have a, a much improved defense. They also signed Gerald Everett, who's a solid pass catching tight end. That's uh, another need that they they kind of needed um, to fill. They they got a, a good old lineman to protect Herbert a little more and they missed the playoffs last year. And honestly, I'm looking at their roster right now and I see them as a legit contender, uh, top five to eight team in the league. And when you have someone as good as Justin Herbert, I think his he's arguably top five QB in the league. I would probably have him right around um, four to six, somewhere in that range. And I don't know, they're, they're going to be really, really fun to watch. I think if they can protect Herbert and just uh, sure up the defense, which I think they did, they're going to be uh, a really, a really tough team to beat in the playoffs. I really like what the Chargers are going to, uh, what the Chargers are doing. I think that, Herbert is such a fucking stud, and I think that he can really elevate uh, the Chargers to the next level this season. With that being said, uh, my my team comes from the same division, actually, that I'm really excited to watch, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. This uh, team had a pretty good offseason getting some guy named Devontae Adams. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but, I mean, their offense is fucking loaded uh, with Devontae, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Uh, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, they're they're stacked across the board defensively. Chandler Jones, uh, Max Crosby, Nate Hobbs. Like the, the, you know, these guys are just straight ballers. Um, this team has a lot of fucking talent. You know, in a tough division, I think they're gonna have a phenomenal year. Um, I really think this is a, this is a bet on Derek Carr because if he is anything of a semi good QB in the NFL, he's gonna have a phenomenal year because you have weapons literally everywhere you look on the field. So there's no excuse for Derek Carr to not have a great year. They could easily be the best offense in the NFL. They have arguably the most talent. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm very, very excited to watch this Raiders team this year. Yeah, I think the Raiders had a obviously phenomenal offseason. And like you mentioned, uh, super tough division, Chargers, Broncos, KC. Uh, I could see them winning the division. I could see them losing the division. So I think that's what makes uh, this Raiders team, and honestly that whole division is just, just like a, it's like a Hollywood movie. It's going to be crazy to watch this year, but yeah, the Raiders, I think we're going to learn a lot about Derek Carr. Like you said, 
Uh, he's always been, you know, a good player on a bad team. And now he finally has the weapons and the team to go along with him. So uh, we're going to learn a lot about him. And I, I believe in Derek Carr. I think they're going to be really good this year. But um, Max, I know you wanted to talk about the Steelers. Damn it, dude. I wanted to give the pick, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's fine, too, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really a uh, – it's not – on. it's – okay, I know it seems like a homer pick, but I really do think they have, like, a very exciting offseason coming up. This is going to be the first time since I was, I think, four years old that there's a new quarterback uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's not Ben Roethlisberger. And that's just, like, the start of it. We still – I really, really liked what we got in the draft. We got – uh, Calvin Austin third, I believe his name is, um, the wide receiver out of Memphis who, uh, was talked about by sauce Gardner as being, yeah, Calvin Austin third, uh, sauce Gardner mentioned him as being the most difficult guy he had to guard in college. Um, they got, uh, Claypool's coming in at wide receiver who he's not new, but like we had a great draft. We had Cameron Hayward's little brother get drafted. Um, we have a lot of, uh, George Pickens got drafted and it's just really exciting to see what we're going to do with our with our draft class and um, our new signees. Uh, we have TJ Watt manning the defense and we had a solid defense last year. We have Mike Tomlin as a coach, so we're always going to be really good. And we have Brian Flores coming in. Who's a huge name. Um, he's a genius. Like we're going to have him on the defensive end of the football. That's, that's going to make us even better. Um, hopefully we can stay healthier this year. And I'm really excited to see it all kind of relies on the quarterback though. And that's where I'm most nervous. Uh, I personally was a Malik Willis like I wanted him. I think that the way the NFL is going is just going more towards those dual threat quarterbacks. And I was just worried about Kenny Pickett's hands, honestly. Like I just, I, I know that sounds dumb. Small little baby hands. Yeah. It's a little baby. Like, dude, I don't want my quarterbacks to have smaller hands than me, man. And I don't know. Uh, I was just a little bit worried about it, but I believe in him. I believe in this front office. And if they, if they think he's the pick, then he's the pick. I actually saw him play Tennessee. He, he cooked us up and I sat behind the, t- the end zone and, I watched him throw many touchdowns right in front of my face. So I, I, I'm not too pissed about the pick. I really do think if I believe in what he can do if the front office believes in him, but it's going to, it's going to rest on his shoulders. So, yeah. Do you think, do you think uh, Kenny's going to come in and start right away or you think they'll give uh, Trubisky the first half of the season or. So I like, this isn't really a cop-out answer, but I, I think it really has to do with training camp, like seeing where he's at because like, if he comes in raw, you know, which he shouldn't because he's old. So that's another thing. He 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 has a small, a, a lower ceiling just because he's kind of old and you know we, there's yeah. not much more he can do really. But um, that's all that's all reductive though. Like he could, it, it's just it's all within the athlete. We don't really know. Um, but yeah, no, I like if he has a really poor training camp, I obviously he's not going to start. I think I think it's really based on the training camp. But I I feel like they're probably going to come in knowing Tomlin. Uh, like come in with Trubisky for a game or two, you know, and then let, let, uh, pick it, take it up from there. But who knows? I think we're going to get into Jordan's pick, uh, Jordan's second team, which comes from the same division. Jordan, why don't you, why don't you talk about, uh, your second team that you're excited to watch this year? Yeah. My, uh, my next team is the Baltimore Ravens. So they had one of the best drafts of any team. They got Kyle Hamilton with their first pick at safety He's going to make an immediate impact. He was honestly one of the best players in college football, one of the best players in the draft. And I think he could end up being a steal uh, where they got him at pick 14. They also got a new center, which they needed and added a a couple other pieces on defense. So I'm expecting to see a top 10 defense, which 
we've seen uh, pretty frequently from the Ravens. They, they usually have these solid defenses, but I think Kyle Hamilton is a huge upgrade. And then I want to talk a little bit about Hollywood Brown. So they lost Hollywood and he's obviously a super explosive player, very talented guy, but I do think Rashad Bateman is going to take a bit of a leap this year. And hopefully he can be that number one receiver that they need. And even if he's not, maybe he's a number two receiver. They have Mark Andrews, who's a great safety blanket. And then on top of that, they didn't have J.K. Dobbins all of last year. So they're getting a great running back. I think Bateman takes a step up. Uh, Their defense takes a step up. And obviously, we're talking about exciting teams. It doesn't get a whole lot more exciting than Lamar Jackson. So uh, they're a bit of a dark horse team for me. And honestly, even before this year, I just love watching the Ravens play. I love Lamar. He's probably my favorite player to watch. So, yeah, I'm super excited to see what they do. I'm, I'm always a fan of the Ravens. I mean, they can hurt you in so many ways. Lamar can hurt you in so many ways that uh, they're tough to game plan for and they're tough to play against because they can hurt you literally um, any way possible. But uh, the one concern I have with the Ravens is the receiving core. Who's Lamar going to throw the ball to? Um, at some point, you know, Lamar's legs can only do so much. And we've seen that, you know, seen that before in previous seasons that, you know, he's kind of been limited with uh, the weapons that he has and kind of just relies on, you know, Hollywood, a couple of Hail Mary plays that can put up, you know, and they put up 50 points. But, you know, if they can really maybe make a push uh, towards the end of the offseason for another solid wide receiver, I think that um, that could really help them out. And I think it really could boost their chances of making the playoffs. And obviously, I think they'll make the playoffs, but I think uh, getting a higher seed and then making a big run really depends on if they can um, piece together their receiving core. With that being said, my second team that I'm excited to watch comes from the AFC East. And no, it's not the Pats or the fucking Bills. It's the Miami Dolphins. Um, They added some guy named Tyreek Hill, who is phenomenal. They have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, arguably, I I would say, the best one-two punch uh, at receiver in the fucking league. They have Mike Gusecki. They have Chase Edmonds. They have Mostert, which is a huge pickup. Um, I think this really is a bet on Tua, and I think it's a watch with it's a watch on Tua, I guess you could say. I'm really excited to see how Tua plays now that he has a lot of weapons and now that he has uh, two of arguably the top 10 receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill, argue, uh, you know, obviously he's top five. So it'll be interesting to see how he can do. Um, I know their defense is pretty good. Melvin Ingram, Xavier Howard, um, Ogba, Emmanuel Ogba. So It'll be interesting to see uh, how they compete in the AFC East. It's going to be a tough division. It's going to be a scrappy division. Um, and it's really, I'm excited to watch the fucking Dolphins-Bills games because I think those can be uh, some shootouts and some brawls. So I'm very excited to watch those games. But no, I think the Dolphins have a lot of talent um, and a lot of explosion. And I think kind of like the Raiders too, you're really kind of just looking to see Tua take that, take that next step. You're looking to see Tua elevate his game. Um, and you know, this is kind of the year for both of my teams, actually, where you kind of say, Hey, if my quarterback can't produce with this fucking roster, you know, it's, at some point you got to move on. So it, I really am excited to watch both these quarterbacks play. They got a lot to play for, and I think they're going to ball out this season. This is an absolutely huge year for Tua and his future. We know he's pretty accurate over the middle, uh, intermediate routes, all that stuff. We're going to see now with Tyreek, he's going to have chances, uh, to throw some bombs and we're going to see if he can push the ball down the field. Uh, if he can make those big throws, especially in big moments, because we expect the, this team to be in close games. So 
we're going to see what two is made of this year, a lot like Derek Carr, but I don't know. I'm, I've never been a huge Tua guy. I think he's decent. Uh, I do think he, I do think they're going to be good because they're just that loaded on offense, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see if um, Tua is the guy moving forward. That's going to be a big storyline this year. For sure. For sure. The, did you guys see the clip that came out that the fucking guy um, was some guy for the fucking dolphins took a video of Tua throwing a pass over the middle and completely fucking missed him. Oh, really? And then it got, and then it got tweeted. Uh, for whatever reason, the PR guy on the fucking Dolphins sounds like a good idea to tweet that video, to tweet the clip of Tua completely missing a guy on an open route in practice. Yeah, if you haven't good. seen it, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then and then literally I saw a couple of days later, I was on TikTok, I was scrolling through and I saw um, I talked about TikTok that said position opening, like PR manager or something like that for the <laughs> oh, Miami Dolphins. Go. So I don't know if it's true, but if it is, that'd be hilarious. But that's awesome. No, that was that, that was pretty funny. Yeah, there are a ton of storylines coming into this season. It's going to be a really exciting season. Um, like we didn't even mention the Broncos, but they have Russell Wilson. Like they, it, there's a lot of uh, Deshaun Watson. What's going to end yeah. up happening with him? There's there's a bunch of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see uh, how the season goes. But uh, yeah, good segment, boys.